one of my just honors in life uh, was to get to know former Defense Secretary uh, Don Rumsfeld. Uh, got to hang out with him multiple times. Had connected a friend of mine to his office as after he left the Pentagon. Uh, and she helped him write his memoir, which is a fantastic read. And then I, I got to spend time with him a, a number of times. He he died very recently. He told me stories about being in the Pentagon on September 11th, what it was like. Uh, my next guest was also in the Pentagon that day, uh, retired Brigadier General Lawrence Dudney, uh, who lives outside of Atlanta in Canton. Uh, General, thank you very much for being with me. Eric, thank you so much for having me on today. So I remember Secretary Rumsfeld, uh, one of the things that, you know, when you talk to people who were in New York on 9-11, one of the things they say is that it was it was the beautiful weather, clear sky, it was cool, the summer was finally over. And Secretary Rumsfeld said what he remembered, he was in the Pentagon, and what he remembered was just the, the smell, the smell of the plane. It, it stuck with him for the rest of his life on impact um and what was going on that day he just he said like he could never get that smell of just the the jet fuel smell out of out of his nostrils it seemed like it just haunted him and i just you were there that day and i know you know i i lost a a friend on that plane barbara olson uh i was in law school uh she was ted olson's wife the solicitor general she was on the plane that flew into the the pentagon that day and i just if you wouldn't mind just just let's, let's talk about what it was like to be there that day well um it was on a tuesday and that was the day <clears throat> that i went in early everybody kind of had a duty roster who would go in early and open up uh, the office and tuesday was my day uh get in there about five o'clock in the morning get the coffee pot on get lights on everything else uh and so I'm doing some work, working on a couple of briefings that morning too. I kind of lost track of time. The general secretary came by now. General, he was on leave, but uh, the general secretary came by going toward the coffee pot. And she said something to me about a plane, and I just wasn't paying any attention to her. I said, yeah, yeah, Dad, yeah, yeah, I know. Had no idea what she was talking about. Then she came back a second again. She said, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dunn, another plane hit the building. I said, what are you talking about? So I got up and then I kind of looked around because the way our office was laid out, it was like four rooms. It was like a reception area where the general secretary was and his executive assistant. And then there was an operations guy and then a TV sitting over in the corner. And then his office was directly beside that reception area. And then in the back, was all our workstations, I called it Dilbertville, but uh, our workstations were back there. And then at the end, by the coffee pot, coffee pot was another small office where the deputy worked. And I kind of stood up and looked around. I said, gosh, where is everybody? And then I go in there and everybody's around the TV, you know, with the World Trade Center. And I'm looking at it, and it didn't seem real. I mean, I'm looking at none of us were saying anything. There was about eight or ten of us around the TV. It just didn't seem real. Was, to me, it was like a Steven Seagal or Bruce Willis movie. It just it wasn't registering. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how long I was standing there or any of us were. It could have been 20 seconds, two minutes, whatever. And then everybody kind of started moving. So I went back to my cubicle started sending out emails to people saying, hey, 
are you aware of this kind of stuff and, uh, you know, what's going on with the World Trade Center? And then uh, I called a friend of mine, a Marine colonel, which kind of ties into what uh, Secretary Rumsfeld said about the weather. I had this Marine colonel that uh, I was in the War College with that was on the joint staff. He worked on the far side of the building. Uh, he actually roomed with me for a while until he could get his wife moved up from San Diego. So I called him, and I said, Ray. I said, what, what is it? He says, it's a terrorist attack. I said, well, how could you tell? He said, well, I'm an aviator. you got to look at the weather conditions. Daylight, pretty much unlimited visibility, you know, whatever. I said, okay, so during that point in time, the plane hit. Uh, and it threw me, you know, across the room. And when I got up a little later, I still had the receiver in my hand and I had a desktop sitting on top of me. Good grief. And then I hear this screaming going on and it was the secretary. And she's the only person besides me that I think, you know, that we're still alive. So I ended up getting up and going to her, and the wall that separated Dilbertville from the general's office and the reception area was partially blown away. I was able to climb over the wall to get to her, and as soon as I put my hands on her, she just squeezed the living daylights out of me. She said, I'm scared. I said, are you hurt? She said, I'm scared. I said, Des, are you hurt? She said, I'm scared. I said, well, that's okay. I'm scared, too. But I said, everything's going to be all right. And uh I'll give you the G-rated version of what she said. No, this crap is going to be all right, you know. But I said, I said, okay, we're getting out of here. I said, let's head towards the the uh, table where the coffee pot is. So I picked her up and went and worked my way back over to where the table was. And then we had a filing cabinet in that back corner and got up on top of it with her in the office beside next to us away from the point of impact, there were people over there. So I was able to get Des over to them. Mm -hmm. And during this time, everybody else in the office started answering up. So I said, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to the coffee pot, come to me. People started coming over there and I started, you know, getting my hand down, getting them up, getting them over. And then the uh, deputy, he was standing there, and we just kept going back over. Okay, who do we get out? Who do, and we could account for everybody but one person. We could account for everybody. There were some people who went in meetings, other meetings that morning in the building. But in our office, we could account for everybody but one person. We eventually found him later. It just so happened he was in the bathroom. Huh. And uh, so we ended up running into him later. But, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, so, you know, the boss is looking at me, the deputy Colonel Perrin, and he said, okay, let's uh, double check again. And, you know, what the secretary was talking about, Secretary Rumsfeld, oh, gosh, I mean, the, the smell, the, the, the fuel, I mean, like I said, it'll stay with me the rest of my life as well, too. Just, so we ended up. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, so we. Uh, Ended up, you know, just kind of going through the accountability one more time. And he said, all right, well, let's go. I said, well, give me a hand. And about that time, the office next to us, toward the point of impact, the girl screaming, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. 
and I and I holler at. Her. I said, "Come to me, come to me, you know, whatever." And they were uh, government contractors. They they were called IMSON, Information Management Center. They were the ones back then that uh, installed Palm Pilots or sync Palm Pilots to our desktops. Right. Kind of, I'm kind of dating myself here a little bit, but uh, <laughs> for you youngsters, anyhow. that that's the pre iPhone day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyhow, once. Uh, I ended up getting her out. I looked at my boss, and then about 20, 30 feet away was where my cubicle was. And I had a little gym bag that I kept, like my wallet, my car keys, anything and everything about Larry Dedney was in that bag to include some running shoes and toiletries and whatever when I would go out and try to run. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I kept looking over there. You know, all I got to do is hop down and maybe go over there and look for five or 10 seconds. Maybe I can find it. And I thought, no, nah, it's not worth it. <laughs> so anyhow, I grab Colonel Perry and he goes over, we go, we go outside. Now the thing is when I'm standing up on top of that filing cabinet, I can see daylight outside. There's no way I should have seen that Gosh. because there had to be at least four, four or five walls between us and the outside. It just kind of blew walls out. So, we ended up getting outside and we kind of established accountability again. And then somebody came up looking for volunteers to go back in. So, okay, Hey, we're, we're, it. we're going there with four of us to grab one of these boards that like a paramedic or a stretcher would have that has the handholds in it all the way down. And we're getting ready to go back in. And then all of a sudden the fireman came up with a, a radio and said, get away from the building. Another plane's been spotted. Gosh. So we take off all of us. So we're going out towards I-395 in that open area. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting out in the open area, and we're sitting there waiting. And then all of a sudden, we hear somebody say, okay, I need everybody over here, you know, 10 across, and everybody just start filling in behind them. Okay, so we, you know, we, we go do it. Mm-hmm. And we get there, we line up in a formation, and then we wait and wait <laughs> and wait. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's getting frustrated. And a few minutes, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, somebody else, Hey, I, I, I need people. I, I need us. need you over here. So I felt like we were jerked, jerked around. Everybody was in charge, but nobody was in charge. Right. But again, you know, in defense of the situation, I, I just don't know how you could have been prepared for something like that, Eric. I mean, I really don't. Yeah, the, you know, that's the thing that, that I remember the, the secretary telling me that he, he, there were all sorts of of ideas of what could and couldn't happen and what terrorists may or may not do. And this was they they chose to attack in a way that ha- some people had contemplated, but but at the decision making uh, levels, it just wasn't something that was expected. And how do you defend against it? And just how upending it was. And and again, I remember the secretary talking about rushing, being evacuated and insisting on going back in uh, because so many other people were were willing to go in and potentially risk their lives. Was another plane coming or not? And, and the chaos of that day now, I, I remember so much the the idea that maybe were there more planes was, was uh, United uh, Flight 93 the last one uh, rumors circulating constantly and the fog of war, so to speak. It just it, a remarkable, remarkable story. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I, I actually ran into the secretary later on that afternoon after we were kind of being moved around from place to place. We, uh, the same three guys and I, we ended up going up to the north entrance of the Pentagon to go in there with the boy. We, hey, we'll just go in there. We'll find a way to get in. And we and we start going up there. Then there's a, I think they call them DPS, Defense Protective Service. Uh, security guards at the Pentagon said, get away from the building. The plane's been spotted. So is it the original one that they talked about, or is it another plane or another plane? We had no idea. So we take off. We go through the parking lot in the Pentagon, and then there's a, a tunnel under I-395 mm-hmm. that goes over into an overflow, overflow parking area at the Pentagon. So we come through there on the other side, and we come out, and there's a, a lady, an elderly lady, sitting there laying down in a, a, a guy's lap, so to speak, just sobbing uncontrollably. Come to find out they were a, <clears throat> a tour group that was going to tour the Pentagon that day. And they undoubtedly saw it when it happened, and she was just in a state of shock. So we ended up putting her, and it was in the hot sun, too, so we ended up putting her on this board walking through the parking lot right across uh, over in uh, Pentagon City. There was some department stores. So we took her over there. There was some, uh, you know, got her in some shade, and people were, you know, kind of taking care of her, and then we go back. So we get back, and not much has happened from the masses of moving here, moving there. And then finally some uh, general came, got us all together and said, look, he said, uh, I know you've been jerked around, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to get off your feet. I want you to start drinking water and rest because when I call you, I need you. And we're not going to be doing anything for a while now until the fire somewhat diminishes, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it was guidance. We got guidance. I didn't like it. I don't think a lot of people right. like it, but at least we got something that we could kind of. So I figured it was going to be a while. And because when we came out after the plane hit, I asked because my cell phone and everything was in that bag. It was still in the office. <clears throat> I borrowed a friend's phone. I was going to call my mother and follow them. Let them know I was okay. Well, it was gridlock. I mean, nothing would go out. So, right. Uh, I ended up running over to, uh, crystal city, uh, army national guard, uh, national guard bureau had an office complex over there. I ended up going over into there getting into one of the offices and I called my mother to let her know I was okay. And, you know, Matthew, I think it's Matthew seventeen twenty, talks about having faith of a mustard seed. And, uh, uh, my mother's and they, my, my parents lived out, live out in the country mm-hmm. and my mother's brother and his wife, they will come out, uh, and stay with mama. And she said, for what? Yes. Well, you know, we worried about Larry. She said, uh, if you want to come out here and visit, yeah, hey, come out here and visit. It's fine, but God's already told me he's okay. And, I, and that's where I get back to the faith of a mustard seed. But uh, that's general. I, look, I, I, I could listen to you all day. Um, I, that's probably a point I'm looking at the clock and, and probably need okay. to let you go. But I, that that's the perfect point to lead on. Cause the faith okay, of the mustard yeah. seed in particular, and it, listen, I, I, I want to thank you for reaching out to me. Cause I didn't reach out to you. You reached out to me and I'm, 
it, it, being there on the ground. Gosh, I sure appreciate your time. I really do. Well, th- thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service as well. Uh, retired Brigadier General uh, Larry Dudney. He lives up in Canton now. And I just, I he reached out to me and said, would you like me to come on? I was like, yes, yes. I want to hear your story. Thank you to him.